Well, hello, my friend. This is Joe Bakmotsky and welcome to Simplify Cancer Podcast. And listen, I've got an incredible conversation for you today because I'm talking to my friend Lee Silverstein. Lee is a truly inspirational person. We're going to talk about the insights he's learned not only from his own experience of dealing with cancer, but also through everything, like all the wisdom he collected from, you know, speaking with hundreds of folks on his own show, We Have Cancer. I think you're going to love this and going to get so much out of it. So I'm really excited for it, my friend. But first, I want to share a quick poem with you. It's a poem that I wrote that, you know, speaks to me in this point in time. So here it goes. Friend, you cannot be happy when you live with regret. It is best to stop fighting and move forward instead. Here is one way to do that. You make friends with the past. It is cruel and amazing. It is crazy and vast. You may choose to accept it as it was meant to be, which is not always perfect, but it can set you free to find one thing that matters. What you do from now on. If you choose what you're proud of, then you cannot go wrong. You will only live forward and you'll never look back. You will climb higher and higher. Put yourself on the track to greatness. Thank you for being here, my friend. Let's get into it. My friend, it's just such a pleasure to talk to you. Every single time we chat, I learn something new. I get inspired. So good to see you. You too, my friend. I always look forward to our our monthly uh, chats, and uh, and I've told you know all my family and my friends. I, you know, there's been so many positive things that have come out of uh, my podcast, and I know the same for you. And I said, you know, how cool is it that I've made a really good friend who I look forward to speaking to on the other side of the world. 14 hours uh, time difference <laughs> and we look forward to our conversations and uh, I don't know, I hope, I certainly hope I, that uh, we find some way to actually shake hands and give each other a hug somehow, some way, someday. Uh, but how cool is it that technology allows us to foster a friendship like this, right? Absolutely. It's just, it's incredible. And yes, it would be so beautiful to meet in person one the one day one one of the days when when this crazy world like gets a little bit less crazy that's crazy because <laughs> <laughs> it's no it's never going to be perfect we know that <laughs> but yeah it's just such a joy to be with you my friend every month and and so good to talk to you right now and lee i know we're talking today about some of the things that you've learned about life with with your experience of going through cancer and, and, and through your podcast. But first of all, I mean, I'd love for you to give just a 
just a snapshot of the journey that you've been on with, with cancer going way back and also where you're at now. Sure. So, you know, I was first diagnosed through a routine colonoscopy almost 11 years ago. In, in March of 2022, it'll be 11 years. And it's been a roller coaster, you know, of treatments and surgeries and chemotherapies. And it's it's been, you know, six months to a year, meaning I would have a treatment or a surgery and I'd get six months to a year with no recurrence or, you know, tumors stable, not growing until the next thing happened. And, uh, you know, when it pops up, we would smack it. I don't know if they have this game in Australia, but in the arcades <laughs> here in the U.S., there's a game called Whack-A-Mole, where, the, <laughs> where there's all these holes and a little fuzzy animal pops up and you have a padded mallet and you smack it, right? And the next one pops <laughs> yeah. up and then you smack and, you, and they start popping up and you have to keep smacking them, right? So that's kind of what we've been doing with my cancer is whack-a-mole. When one pops up, we do something to smack it. Um, and that has worked uh, until recently. Uh, is informed of a patient as I feel like I've been, and that's certainly something we can cover. I didn't realize that one of the genetic mutations that I have with my colon cancer uh, classifies the cancer that I have as, as very aggressive. And I only learned that in the last year when a doctor I was talking to, not my own, but somebody I know through the colon cancer community, said, wait a minute, you've had cancer how long? I think at that time it was like 10 years, nine years and you have the BRAF mutation? I was like, yeah. I knew I had the rotation. I didn't know what it meant. She's like, and you're still here? I'm like, what? What? What do you, what do you mean? And <laughs> wow. she said, you realize that most people don't make it past four or five years with that mutation. And I was like, that's why my oncologist called me an outlier. Uh, and he meant it in a positive way, is I've been an outlier, right? Things that have these whack-a-moles that we talk about so far, you know, for the most part, everything that has happened to me, you know, a tumor here, a tumor there has been small and slow growing until this past year where some of the treatments that we would tried, uh, the first treatment, uh, was actually one I'd been on previously early in 2021. We did that for a few months, did a scan and there was growth. So, uh, we went on to a new treatment same thing, wasn't there was growth again. And then in October of 2021, I uh, went on a new chemo that I'd not been on, along with some pills, Joe, which I was excited about. And I was excited about it for two reasons. One, the pills that they put me on were specifically for people who have the mutation I have. So a very targeted drug. And two, they had only been approved for use since April of 2020. So brand new wow. drug specific to what I have. I'm like, this is going to be it. This is going to make a difference. And two weeks ago, I had my three-month scan, and unfortunately, it didn't make a difference. The tumors I have in my liver have continued to grow, and there are a few new ones uh, that have appeared. 
So that's kind of the state of Lee's colon cancer uh, coming up on 11 years, and that's where I'm at as we speak right now. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's so crazy, Lee, and it's it's hard to deal with. I know you you you've got some some things you're gonna look into and possibly try in, in terms of in terms of treatments, which is which is good. But first of all, I mean, it's it it's just it, it kind of gets to you, doesn't it? Like uh, in terms of dealing with it, like what is it that 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 goes through your mind, and what is it that I guess helps you in terms of just dealing with um with all of this in your day to day life. You know, that's a great question. For years, Joe, um, you know, part of the, you know, every positive has its flip side. Every positive has its challenge. And, you know, the positive of doing the podcast that I was doing, the We Have Cancer podcast, and being involved in the colon cancer community here in the United States is got to learn and meet and so many incredible people and hear so many inspiring stories. The flip side is a lot of the people, many of the people I've met are no longer here. And that's hard. And what my mindset always was, was I noticed a pattern in the people who died from colon cancer is that they all were in the four to five year range before succumbing to the disease. And I was, I was sitting, you know, at the time I was sitting here. 10 years going on 11, and I was always of the mindset, I'm not them, all right? I'm already 10 years out and I'm good, right? I'm not them. I feel horrible that I've lost so many friends, but I'm not them until this year when three or four times in the last 12 months I've gotten the news that whatever treatment we were trying hasn't worked, and the reality struck me, Joe, that you know what? I'm them now. I'm them. And that's scary. Um, I didn't give much thought uh, to anything negative. I didn't give much thought to death. I do more. I do now. Now, I don't dwell on it. I don't, uh, uh, you know, I don't walk around with this black cloud. But there's been a shift. There's been a shift. And on top of that, um, within the colon cancer community here in the United States, within the last three, four months, some of the people who have passed away, 10 years with the disease, 12 years with the disease, 14 years with the disease. So now you feel like them is becoming you. And it's frightening. It's frightening, labor and this this fear, and 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 facing you know, mortality and what that's like. What what kind of comes up for you? What how does it what does it make you think about? How does it uh, make you feel? Tough question to answer. Um, emotions are all over the place, you know. But I do catch myself thinking things that I didn't used to think, like with an event coming up down the road, you know, or, oh, you know, I have a relative who is engaged and is going to get married in February of 2023. I would never think, will I be here to, to enjoy that until now, 
right? Um, how much of my grandchildren's lives will I get to enjoy? Uh, my wife and I are having more conversations around, which honestly, every uh, marriage should have these conversations, even without cancer or anything, around, you know, here's important documents, here's where to find things. Um, she's used to using a Windows computer. I'm on a Mac. So the other day I was showing her how to use the Mac and how to get into things. But for maybe a different reason than other couples would have it, right? It's up kind of unspoken. You know, we, we do it jokingly. Hey, should you get struck by lightning? You know, I, you know, show me where I can find this or show me how to get a hold of that. But that's just our little joke. And we both know what we really mean. We're not talking about getting struck by lightning, right? That's just how we cope with it, right? Um, the, po- the plus side, as you and I talked before you hit record, is physically... I feel fine. I feel fine. Work, still work a full-time job with no trouble. Um, go to concerts, go to sporting events, you know, do all the things in life that we enjoy doing. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that. Um, travel as much as is safely possible in these crazy times. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful that I can do those things. But there's definitely been a shift in um, in thinking in the last year. And sometimes it's it's all about um, it's all about being real, right? Like I mean, we know I think in popular culture there is this uh, I guess theme that you you gotta be positive all the time and that you 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 can have to be um, finding reasons to cheer yourself up. But that's not always real, is it? Like sometimes you you have to uh, you have to face some of the tougher things that come with cancer, some of the tougher things that come with life, and that doesn't mean that it's just like positive or negative. It's 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 kind of trying to make sense of what's going on, isn't it? It really is, and I've have become. I wasn't always this way, but I have become much more mindful as to what I expose myself to. Um, I spend very little time reading or watching the news because all it does is get you upset and frustrated and you can't fix it, right? Uh, And that's intentional. It's like I don't need more negativity, more negative things in my life. I want to do everything I can to live a joyful life for as long as I can, hopefully for many, many years. Um, So that's why it's so important to me. Uh, You know, I think I bought tickets to our fourth concert for the already for this year. So we've got four, four concerts we're going to, we go to sporting events. And that's not just because those are things we enjoy doing. Obviously they are, but I want to be spend as much time doing things and experiencing things that bring me joy and happiness and not around negative things that bring me down, right? Um, And it doesn't have to involve spending money or going places. One of the things that uh, my wonderful wife Linda and I do on occasion, and we did this past Friday night, 
is we don't watch Netflix. We don't watch TV. We'll just listen to music and we'll sing together and we'll dance together in the kitchen. Um, then we have playlists of our favorite songs and uh, we do that once a month, maybe more often, right? So it doesn't mean that we have to go out and buy tickets to things to do those things. But these are things that bring us joy and and put smiles on our faces. So I'm trying to find as many opportunities to do those things and avoid the other things. Now that is so beautiful, Lee, because it's, it's going back and finding those things that do give you joy, that put a smile on your face, whether that's right, that's whether that's being with with your 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 loved ones, whether that's doing things that that give you joy, that that you love, you know, for you know, for you it's playing guitar, or like I know that for Linda it's doing gardening. It's doing. We all have those different things. Like if we look inside of ourselves we all have those things that we truly love and that we care about it's kind of giving ourselves the permission to go out and just and 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 put yourself into it like throw yourself into it and be in the moment and enjoy it and 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 kind of and and that helps to put aside some of those worries some of those concerns that that are real so what is it that helps you to feel like you have to, to kind of be more in the moment, to be, as you say, more mindful, to be in a place where you feel like, you know, this is what I'm doing and, 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 and nothing else? Uh, it's making the choice to do that, right? It's being intentional. Um, in my full-time job, I help people who've lost their jobs uh, through no fault of their own, uh, give them the tools and coach them and, you know, on, on strategies and processes to help them find a new job. And I go out of my way to really uh, be in the moment with that person because they're in a very tough spot, right? You think of life's most stressful event, certainly having a terminal illness is on there, death of a loved one, divorce, losing a job, right? Those are probably top five, right? So I recognize that I have the privilege, and I do look at it as a privilege, to help somebody else who's going through a difficult time. And I make it a point to recognize and sit for a minute after I've talked to someone, because I've met some amazing people with incredible stories, and be able to say, wow, you know, I just met somebody really incredible, and how good it felt to help them. Or when they send me an email, tell me, hey, want to let you know, as I, I got an email a few hours ago, want to let you know I just accepted a job offer, and I don't know that I could have done it without your help. Right? Wow. And you take a minute and you go, yes, right? One of the ways, and I, this lesson I learned when I was first diagnosed, Joe, was I said, all right, how am I going to go through this? And I said, one strategy is I'm pretty confident if I can go out of my way to make other people feel good, that will make me feel good. So the first time I met my chemo team and the chemo nurses, friendly, smiling, joking, right? And it made me feel good in turn. 
right? And they joke around with me, and maybe they just say it to everybody, which is possibly true. <laughs> oh, Lee's here. We were fighting over who got to be your nurse today. Now, I don't know if that's true, <laughs> you know, but it feels good to hear that, right? But <laughs> yeah. but even if if not that, you know, if I was nasty to these people and was rude to these people, I don't think I would hear feedback that way. So making others feel good, helping others who are having a tough time, even though you're having one too, by default, that energy transfers over to you, right? And you feel good. So it's about being intentional and making a decision to do it. And I'm also intentional about just the world, right? If I meet a stranger and have a nice conversation, and we shake hands and we part ways and say, oh, well, nice to meet you. I enjoy talking to you. I'll stop for a minute and go, hmm, that's a really neat person I just met, right? What a cool story. Or you see a beautiful sunrise or a sunset to stop. You know, we're so busy. We're moving all the time. We don't stop. We don't stop to enjoy what's there. Okay, relationships, nature. I know that's a big thing for you. Uh, side plug, follow Joe on TikTok at Power to Be Happy. Uh, <laughs> had to throw that in there, right? Uh, you but to, you know, to we were, as I told you, we uh, went away a couple weeks ago. We we're staying on the beach and to wake up in the morning and, wow, smell the sea air. Doesn't that smell great? Right? Are you eating a meal or are you actually enjoying the taste of the food that's in your mouth or are you just chewing and swallowing chewing and swallowing right or are you taking the time to go wow i really like how this tastes and right slow down i think that's a big message just in everything we do we've got to slow down slow down breathe see listen right all those things what a beautiful way to put it, Lee. I mean, I'm almost in a meditative state already just from hearing that. And there is so much uh, in so much insight in what you said. I think like the one of the things I heard you say was, you know, um, I love that that being able to reflect on something immediately after it's happened. You know, whether you meet a person or something interesting has happened in your life and being able to take note of it and recognize it. That is so powerfully. I really loved hearing that. And also, it was it's really powerful how you talked about, you know, being intentional about how you are around people. Right? Because oftentimes we just, we, we don't think about that. And we just, we do what we do. And, and it just kind of happens without, you know, a specific like purpose or direction. But when you are in that way and you are projecting something into the world, not only do people feel good about you and you get those that energy transfer, like you mentioned, you get those good vibes flowing in and going back to you, but it also makes you feel better because it's it's kind of like it's very hard to feel um, you know angry and upset when you're feeling grateful at the same time, when you feel uh you getting some positive energy from an interaction right like it's something that 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 helps you to feel good about yourself and I also you know when i come back to uh you mentioned just a little while ago 
is you talked about finding also the right information for yourself and and making sure that you're on top of things you gonna know what's going on i know you're big about that i know that's huge for anyone that has you know when we have experience with cancer to kind of be your own advocate so so tell me what is that been journey for you and what is kind of your thought process around that it's one of the biggest lessons that I learned in doing the We Have Cancer podcast for almost seven years is how important it is to be an informed patient and to advocate for yourself, okay? We can't ever forget that doctors work for us. And uh, I don't know if there's a difference in cultures between our countries, Joe, but in uh, and, and I'm guessing not, but I know in my parents' generation, they were taught to be deferential to doctors. What the doctor says you do, you do, you don't question, right? Um, and that's, it's my life. And I'll give you a perfect example because this happened last week. As I mentioned, you know, my scan results weren't good. And uh, there's a, a procedure that's out there. It's called an HAI. Don't ask me what the four, three letters stand for. I don't remember. <laughs> but it's a pump that gets implanted, and it's for colon cancer patients whose cancer has spread to the liver that will pump chemotherapy directly into the liver organ, not systemically going through your whole body. And my cancer center does not do that procedure but there are others around the United States that do. So I asked my oncologist, hey, you know, can you talk to Sloan Ket Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital in New York and see if I'm a candidate for the HAI pump? And he said, he said, yeah, but I think we should try putting you back on the chemo you were on nine years ago first and then maybe try that next. And I said, I'm fine going back on the chemo, but I'm not waiting. I want to look into that pump now. So I said, no, I disagree with you. I want to look in. I don't, I don't want to wait and see if this chemo works or not to then try this other option. I'll start this chemo, but I want to look into that option right now. And he's like, okay. So we have, my oncologist and I have over the uh, 10 plus years that we've been together, you know, uh, would I want to take him out to dinner? I don't know. <laughs> but we, right? But what I do respect is he knows that I'm an informed patient, right? And we can have these conversations, these collaborative conversations, where he can say, well, you know, there's this drug, there's this treatment, you can also go this way. And most of the time, I know exactly what he's talking about because I'm an informed patient and I've done my research. And um, that uh, I'm not afraid to give my opinion, and and, and I I believe that, that that I've earned his respect, and I respect him. Uh, that we can have these conversations. Well, what do you think? Well, you know, here's what I think. Or I may say to him, Hey, how, what if we did this? Uh, there's a thing in the United States that certain cancer centers are designated as what are called NCI centers, meaning it's a distinguished um, certification 
from the National Cancer Institute in the United States. So if you go to an NCI center, you know you're going to one of the top places, right? So one of the things that NCI centers have, including the Moffitt Cancer Center that I go to, is they present patient cases to what's called a tumor board. A board of doctors saying, here's Lee Silverstein. Mm. Me, the oncologist, presenting oncologist, here's what I'm thinking. Hey, doctors, do you agree? What are your thoughts, right? So you get a peer review, if you will, in your case. So there have been several times where I've said to him, I said, how about you present this to the tumor board, who I know meets every Wednesday, and see if they concur with, with what you're saying. And he's like, no problem. And then he'll call me back and say, hey, I talked to the tumor board. They are in agreement that this is probably the best way to go. Or on a couple occasions, I've asked them to consult with doctors at other cancer institutes who I know, who I know he knows, you know, and he's arranged for consultations with other. So there's not this territorial thing of I'm not willing to let you go anywhere but, but with me. But I would encourage patients that if you don't have that kind of relationship with your doctor, you need to find a doctor who will have that kind of relationship with you. Yeah, that, that is so truly, and you said so many powerful things in that. I mean, first of all is, yeah, having that, you know, the mindset that, you know, uh, I know what's right for me and I'm willing to talk about it. And like you said, it's a collaborative process, like where you're working with your specialist or maybe it's a specialist team and you work around something that is going to be right for you and, uh, and and getting to seek that second opinion, whether that's a, you know, a, a different specialist, whether that's a tumor board is so vital because you want to have that, that multiple perspectives that ultimately helps you decide, right? And I also feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's also important to really acknowledge again is that the, the, the vital impact of decision making. You know, only I, I might have told you this the story when I was um, after my operation. I, I met with my oncologist, and he looked at all my scans, and 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 he said, you know, there's there's two ways that we could go here. You know, we could go with with radiotherapy, or we could go with with chemotherapy. And here is all the pros and cons for this, and here's all the pros and cons for that. Well, um, I'll put you in touch with the radiation oncologist, but basically you can talk to him and then come back to me and let me know which way to go. And when I first heard that, I was like, what? Are you like, are you for real? Like you're the professional, you're the expert, you're supposed to tell me what to do. And I was honestly like, for a, for a few days, I was like freaking out. I was like, oh, what? What are you talking about? I mean, how am I, some regular dude is supposed to make a decision could could be life-changing, right? But then the more I thought about it, like, the more I realized, hey, hold on a second. This is my opportunity in this world where I feel powerless, in this world of cancer, where you, you, kinda, you, you learn this new language. It's my opportunity to take a stand and make a decision. I make a decision, you know, that's going to be right for me, wear up, decide what's what what I should be doing and move on with that right because because these decisions they they ultimately empower you to feel more in control of your experience don't they 100% right absolutely um now I don't want to mislead people and say, you know, every decision 
was of my choosing. I mean, they were, they are a doctor for a reason, right? So I'm always going to say, what do you think is best and why, right? Um, and then kind of go from there, right? Uh, but the fact that our relationship is one where I'm heard, that's a big thing, is do you feel heard, right? If you're working with a doctor who either says or comes across as, do not question my opinion because I'm a doctor, right? And I know what's best for you more than you do. It's time to find another doctor, right? You need to be heard. This, at the end of the day, it's my life, right? So I need to collaborate and work together. I'm not writing my treatment plan. I'm not deciding, you know, oh, doctor, based on the scan, I think I should go on this chemo, right? I want to hear his thoughts, share anything that I might know, and together we're going to make a decision, right? And we have that relationship where he's not threatened. He's not defending his turf, so to speak, and resisting, resistant to referring me to other doctors or other cancer centers. Um, and that's the kind of relationship I want. It's my life at the end of the day. And thank you for putting in those blunt terms because that's, that's how it should be. I mean, it should be direct. And also, I mean, we, we, we all know that um, and we'll get to the name of your podcast in a minute. But I, I but I've all, we also know that cancer is such a um, overwhelming experience, right? Sometimes that it's just on so many different levels, mentally, emotionally, physically. You really want to be able to have people on your side, uh, you know, who are there to support you, um, there to to be there for you. How do you deal, and, and how perhaps you've you've what have you learned around like learning to open up about it with with people in your life? Um, I've always approached it, Joe, that my life is an open book, um, and that it's important. Uh, I don't want anybody close to me particularly family members, to ever feel like I was hiding something or keeping a secret, okay? Because um, I wouldn't want somebody to do that to me, right? We would love for life to only be good news and happy occasions. That's not how life works, right? Just not, right? And I have to. I owe it to my children, my siblings, my dear friends, to say, here's what's going on with me, right? Um, it allows them to derive pleasure, if they so choose, to help in some way, to, uh, if they're a person of faith, to say a prayer, you know, think of me, whatever it is, okay? I would never want to experience someone go, what do you mean he's gone or he's this or that i didn't even know we were in that in that state right that's not gonna that's not going to happen so i'm always going to be matter of fact and say here's what's going on here's what i'm doing here's our here's the options we're looking at and to be open and honest i think it's that i don't think there's any other choice 
Yeah, absolutely, Lee. And and um, uh, and is there anything that that you would suggest or recommend to someone who um, you know maybe is 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 struggling to put it in in those terms where they feel like they can express or make sense of their own situation and and talk about it? What do you, yeah, what do you that, say? That's that that's a great question, and and every situation is different. Many times. People say, oh, I don't want to burden people. I don't want to worry people, right? Uh, I'm just going to keep it to myself. I'm a private person. And I spoke to somebody a few years back, and they said something so poignant that I never forgot it. And what he said to me, he says, when you turn down the offer for help, and you can define help as whatever that might be, bringing me a meal, taking me to the doctor, saying a prayer, thinking of me, whatever it is. When you turn down an offer for help, you were denying that person the joy that they would gain from providing that help. Don't deny people that joy, right? Hey, you know, and you cannot control and you are not in charge of how people respond, okay? Virtually all the time when you share something really tough going on in your life, there will be people who don't respond the way you want them to. There will be people who may even step out of your life. You may suddenly not get the phone calls or texts like you used to. That's not a you problem. That's a them problem. That's a reflection on them, their inability to cope, to know what to do or know what to say. That's, that's, that's their issue right? That's their issue. That's a them problem, not a you problem. And virtually every person I've ever interviewed on the podcast has said that that's happened to them. Um, and I've repeated this uh, so many times, I need to start sending him a royalty. Uh, another friend like yourself, who I've not had the pleasure to, met, to meet, uh, Michael Holtz, who's also a colon cancer survivor, said to me, and he was one of the very first interviews I did, he said it this way. He said, the portrait of your friends and family before cancer will not be the same friend's portrait during or after cancer. That pe the, the faces in that portrait are going to change. You're going to find people who you didn't think would be part of your life suddenly show up and you'd be like, I barely know this person and they're doing everything for me. And you may experience where people who you thought would be right by your side disappear. And none of that is your fault, and none of that should cause you stress. Easier said than done, I realize. But it's, it's again, I like to say it, that's a them problem, not a you problem. You can't control how other people re react. Thank you for sharing, Lee. That was, that was um, so profound. Um, and it's so true that... <laughs> Now that he said that, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> my, my wife jumps into the podcast. <laughs> my so, beautiful wife, Linda. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. <laughs> We've talked a lot about you and uh, you know how, how important it is to have love and support in your life to help you get through tough times. So for your listeners, Joe, that sweet voice you heard in the background is my beautiful wife, Linda. Yes. Linda, you rock. <laughs> he, he remembered you're into gardening. He was talking about your gardening. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. We've been eating on broccoli and cauliflower. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs>
that's the way. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, and I think that is such a um, beautiful um, segue to talk about your podcast. Tell me, first of all, let's talk about the name. We have cancer. And we has multiple meetings. And I think it was a great segue that my wife, Linda, uh, jumped into the middle of our conversation because uh, that came from her. Because any time early on that I would say, I'm stressed, I'm worried, she would always correct me and say, sweetheart, it's not just you. It's we. It's we. So that we, that name, that word we always stuck with me. Okay. Um, we also stands for the fact that we as a collective, we the people of this world, there are not many people who are not somehow touched by cancer. Okay? If they don't have it, they know somebody who has, right? So we are all touched by we we all have it in 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 some way or another. So it has multiple meanings. Um, and that's why if you look at the logo, the word we is the only word that, that both letters are capitalized and underlined, right? Because it's we. Okay. It's, uh, it's, I'm not doing this alone, right? And everything that we've talked about so far here and all the emotions and things don't just affect me. They affect Linda. They affect my children. They affect my sisters, right? All those worries and concerns. I'm not the only one bearing this burden, okay? And Linda once said to me, you don't know what it's like to be in my shoes, and I started to get defensive, right? She didn't mean it that way. She's, you don't know what it's like to give you a kiss as they're wheeling you off for surgery. And I thought to myself, you are right. I do not know what that's like. Nor does she know what it's like to sit in a chemo chair and all those other things. This is not a contest, right? But that's another deeper meaning of we is that everybody experiences it from a different angle. And it's not, well, I have it harder, you have it harder. No, 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 no. When she said, you don't know what it's like, it was a 100% true, true statement. I don't, right? I have not been in the shoes to give, you know, God forbid, her a kiss as they're wheeling her off for surgery. I don't know what that feels like. Okay? She doesn't know what it's like to wear a chemo pump and... These kinds of things. That's all. They're both, they're not exclusive. They're both true statements, right? So that's also what we mean when we say we. It affects so many people and it affects so many people in different ways. Yeah, and it's so beautiful that you really give a voice to that, to that, uh, and that all of those experiences that we have around cancer are valid and true and unique and no one should be deny that opportunity because all of those stories uh, all of our stories that we all have they are unique and I think hearing those stories makes you realize that you're not alone in going through what you're going through because so many of those um, you know while each person's experiences is unique but the struggles I think we share across 
so many of us who go across this kind of cancer spectrum. And not only you've, your uh, everything that you've done with with we have cancer has just been. Um, I, I'm struggling to find words for this beautiful experience and so many lives that you have touched and so many stories that 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 you have shared. What what are some? I know it, it's it's a it's a tough question to ask because there's so many unique things that's brought up for you. But what have been some of the biggest epiphanies or realizations that you had in 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 in, in listening to people um, on your show? When you're in the podcast space, it's important to understand what we call your why. Okay, Why are you doing this podcast? Many people do podcasts to as a, as a way to market their business. Uh, people do podcasts to... Um, you know, monetize through sponsors and advertising. Um, and mine was to, you know, provide information, inspiration, and hope to those touched by cancer. And I want to just first address the elephant in the room, Joe, is that I stopped recording new episodes uh, at the end of October of 2021. Uh, I felt like after almost seven years that I'd covered all the topics I could. Uh, I wanted to put more mental focus on my own health and found it challenging to do that. And then, it, you know, once the full-time job was over at the end of the day to get on the microphone and talk to other people about their cancer struggle while I'm dealing with my own. And it just felt like the time was right to leave that legacy of almost 200 episodes, six and a half years and step away, and, it, and it's still out there for people to follow. I received a DM on Instagram uh, three days ago. Okay, so again, little context: we're in January 2022. I have not recorded a new episode since October, so three months. And I see a DM show up on Instagram for from a total stranger a 24-year-old who was diagnosed with colon cancer, and I get the message, and I won't read the whole thing, but I'll just briefly share it with you. Good evening, Lee. I just wanted to reach out and say how much of an inspiration you are. I came across your podcast when I was first diagnosed with stage 4 colorectal cancer back in September of 2020. Being 24 and being told I was stage 4 scared the life out of me. So many mixed emotions and so much uncertainty. But after listening about your story and your podcast for the first time, I felt a sense of hope. And from that moment on, I was determined to beat this horrible disease. And he goes on and says more, right? So you just don't know who you're touching when you're in the virtual space, whether you're writing a blog or you're doing a YouTube video or you're doing TikTok videos like you are. You just don't know who you're touching, Right, So where the podcast has almost moved to more of a back-of-the-mind thing for me because I'm not recording new episodes, here we are, out of the blue, three nights ago, a total stranger sends me a message like that. How do you put a price on that, right? I just looked at it and shook my head, and I answered him back, and I said, well, I've hit some, some tough spots recently, and hearing your story, 
has inspired me as well, right? There you go. Yeah, uh, that's beautiful, Leib. Um, uh, thank you for sharing that. That that's <laughs> uh, that's that's really that's really touching, <laughs> and um, it's and I think it goes back to connect with what you said earlier about the work that you do uh, in helping people who've lost their job, and because you you meet some amazing people, but like in some in, in some of these situations, you meet them when sometimes they're the lowest and and giving them the voice to and, and I guess the, the place to be heard and to feel that they can express what's right for them, given given it an opportunity with everything you've you've been doing with your show uh, and it still um, quite evidently inspires people and makes a huge difference is just speaks to to what you mentioned, your why, your reason, having that, that reason to be here, knowing what is like, what is it going to, you, you're going to bring into this world and make it, creating something that is beyond you, isn't it? It is, 100%, right? It is. You know, you're doing these amazing TikTok videos, right? Um, if one person hears your message who's depressed, Right, who's going has anxiety, is going through a tough time, and they hear your message, and they have a shift in their mindset because of that. Doesn't that make it all worth it? Right. You don't have five million followers, right? I don't think you have one hundred followers, and that's okay. If you touch one person, that's right. The mission accomplished. That's exactly right, Lee. And I think you are such a shining light in that example and uh, in sharing your voice out with the world and doing good in the world. Uh, apart from helping people out there, it helps you, right? I think when you are going through a difficult time, be it going through cancer treatment, be it going through struggle with mental health, be it through losing a job, I mean, it's such... Uh, and almost, uh, you know, forgotten uh, quality of life is discovering that, that 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 sense of purpose, something where you can help somebody else, where you can, you know, listen to someone, where you can do something that um, makes a difference and can be small. It doesn't have to be some huge epic calling that that you have, but sometimes it's just being able to listen to someone, be able to share something positive, being able to cheer someone on, that's going to make all the difference in the world, can't it? It is. And it's not difficult. I think people want to be heard and they want their feelings validated. Right? I, if I were to look back at all of the feedback that I've received, right, from the podcast over six and a half years, the number one comment was, I no longer feel alone. Hearing someone else's story who's going through what I'm going through, now I don't feel alone because I thought it was just me. Right? So whether we want to admit it, and uh, I'm definitely not going to get into a political conversation, but... 
things, particularly the United States, become very divisive. But at the end of the day, we are all one community, right? And if we can help each other, that nobody feels alone, that people feel like they have hope for as long as they can, you know, I think that's what's most important, right? Think about any time, if you've ever had a conversation and I've heard the words, you're not listening to me. They're not usually said with a smile. <laughs> They're usually, it's usually said out of frustration, right? Because people feel so strongly that they want to be heard, right? So if we can help people be heard um, and realize that, no, you're not the only one that's struggling with whatever it is we're talking about, it makes a difference in the world. I believe. That is a beautiful way to put it. Um, and, and, and such, uh, you're such an inspiration, Lee. I feel um, that, you know, being able to not only um, be a voice of good in the world with everything that you um, do and have done and continue to do, whether you like it or not, but we have cancer, everything you do, for people in your life, everything that you continue doing and supporting, and you know people who are in a tough spot because they, they they don't have a job, is is a testament to you know having that hope and and keeping going even when it's tough, even when it's tough, and even when you feel fear, even when you feel um, you know just frustration and you don't know what's going on. So thank you, Lee, for being that voice out here in the world. Thank you for being that inspiration because we need that right now. I appreciate it, my friend. And I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for our friendship. Same here, Lee. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your, your heart, your soul. Love you, my man. Love you back. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. My friend, how awesome was that? Like, Lee is a truly incredible person. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. And listen, I'm just here to remind you that if you're looking for more support in these crazy times, then check out my latest book. It's called Finding Hope in Times of Uncertainty, a guide to thriving in the challenging world of today. And you can find out more about it and grab your copy with really special bonuses that are put together for you at awayfromuncertainty.com. That is awayfromuncertainty.com. There's a video there, I'm gonna tell you all about it. I'm also gonna guide you through like one minute strategy that I have for you to help you tackle stress and overwhelm in your life that is so you can find all of that at away from uncertainty.com thank you so much for being here look after yourself